June 28, 2022. In Illinois, that means primary day. We're in Palatine, a suburb 45 minutes north of Chicago on a good day. It's been humid all afternoon and most of the morning too, but at just past seven o'clock, it's finally starting to cool down. Yeah, I wanted you to stay too, but it just became too hectic. There's too many things going on. Nabila Syed is sitting at a picnic table outside Lincoln Elementary. She's been here all day, talking to voters one last time before they place their votes. Now her campaign manager is inside, collecting the day's results. We're just waiting until they come out, that comes out, and then, you know, inshallah, we'll have some kind of idea, at least of how this precinct is, so. Probably no more than 10, 15 minutes. Nabila is probably not who you think of when you imagine a stereotypical politician. She's young. She just graduated from college last year. She's a woman of color, a group that is notoriously underrepresented in politics. She's also Muslim and wears a hijab. But today, she will find out if she has a shot at becoming the first Muslim or South Asian woman elected to the Illinois State House at just 23 years old. I'm Lucia Barnum, and this is Ground Game. Over the course of this series, we're going to be looking at Nabila's life and how it led to this moment, waiting for the results of her primary election. We'll look at the campaign in a local context, and also as part of a wave of new Generation Z politicians across the country. And we'll ask how Nabila and her peers are shaping the future of grassroots outreach and community organizing. And it felt like truly there was no other next step. You know, something had to be done. Nabila is different from any other kind of candidate that I've seen running, especially at the state level. And that she said, I can help build the Democratic Party. I want to help the Democratic Party by bringing in people from my community and young people who usually skip these midterms. She is the epitome of what Gen Z represents. I am 23 years old and I'm a candidate for state representative in the 51st House District in Illinois. Before we talk about Nabila herself, or even her campaign, let's talk about District 51. I guess if you were to describe Palatine and District 51 to an outsider, how would you describe the kind of political climate? Well, it's quintessential suburbia. That's Kim Inman, the co-president of the League of Women Voters chapter in Palatine. And for the most part, she's right. Driving through District 51, which includes parts of Palatine, Lake Zurich, Vernon Hills, and other smaller suburbs, you'll see clusters of cul-de-sacs with wide, paved streets. Every house has a bright green, sprawling lawn, even in the summer heat. Yeah, I know. It's just a very stable area. It's a kind of place where, you know, people move in with their kids and they stay there, like, you know, forever. But to say that District 51 is all the same isn't true. The district is made up of several different villages and townships, split up into two counties. There's a Cook County side and there's a Lake County side. That's Maria Gallo. G-A-L-O-1-L. 
and she is the Democratic Committee person for Palatine Township and the president of the Greater Palatine Area Democrats. She grew up in Libertyville, which is just north of D-51 in Lake County, but she's been working and living in Palatine, or Cook County, for several years. So the Lake County side is geographically very large, single-family homes. The Lake County part of D-51 includes parts of Lake Zurich, Hawthorne Woods, Vernon Hills, and Longgrove. According to U.S. Census data, the median household income is more than $150,000 per year, compared to about $68,000 in the state of Illinois. This part of the district is about 10% wider than the rest of the state, too. Suburban, but more rural, there's a lot of open space. Cook County stretches down to Chicago. It includes both Palatine, the largest village in D-51, and neighboring Inverness. Palatine itself is slightly less white and slightly less wealthy. It's also where Nabila grew up. There's a lot more density, so there's a lot more people. Not more people than in Lake County, but just that it's more dense. The district as a whole is upper middle class, very well educated, and includes lots of families, as you might expect from a typical suburb. But compared to both state and county data, there's significantly higher Asian and immigrant populations. Ellen Zoe grew up in Lake Zurich. She said she recognized that D-51 would be considered to have a pretty high percentage of Asian Americans, especially in Illinois and in the Midwest. And she said those numbers are growing. But you are still not the majority here. Like, there's just no way. Growing up, she was never interested in politics because she couldn't connect with the politicians running to represent her. She said they were almost all white men. Like, that was our candidate options. So maybe there was, like, one white lady for a couple cycles, but, like, still. Now she volunteers with Asian American Midwest Progressives, an organization that endorsed Nabila. She said seeing political representation in her home district, especially from a peer who grew up here too, has helped mobilize her and other Asian Americans in her community too. Like I've seen signs of like some of my Asian neighbors, especially my South Asian neighbors in my neighborhood, like when I go for a walk and stuff, like have her signs up and it just makes me really happy to see her. The politics of D-51 are complicated, to say the least. As Maria explained, it's changed a lot over the past couple of years. When she moved to Palatine from Chicago in 1996... It was shocking that Republicans controlled everything. There were no Democrats on the ballot. And one of the reasons that I got involved was because I didn't even know there were Democrats here. The district has been mostly represented by Republicans for decades. In 2018, a Democrat named Mary Edley Allen edged out her opponent after the incumbent Republican had to drop out over sexual misconduct allegations three months before Election Day. In 2020, she lost to current incumbent Chris Boss by less than two percentage points. But the biggest change to D51 has been the redistricting. When the maps were redone after the census, the township, and I have, I have a handy-dandy map... <laughs> This year, D-51 has shifted south. The old district stretched up farther into Lake County. It didn't include Cook County or Palatine at all. So this part here became the 51st. She's pointing to about two-thirds of the suburb, to the west and south. The entire village of Palatine used to be part of District 54, represented by Tom Morrison, whose name you're going to want to remember. Now, District 54 has shifted east, 
leaving almost all of what used to be District 54 in the new District 51. Experts largely agree that these changes were made to make all of the districts slightly more democratic, as were most of the changes made by the Democrat-controlled Illinois General Assembly this year. But while it may be more blue than in the past... It leans Republican. You know, it's a long shot. Mm -hmm. And it was not really intended to be a Democratic district. Maria has been working for the Democratic Party in Palatine for four years. So I am very new to the whole political thing. And in that time, she says she's seen more and more Democrats run for office. They've had candidate forums and competitive primaries, even former Republicans voting blue after becoming disillusioned with their party. And so I learned my lesson that, you know, we have a lot of Democrats out here, but the organization is very small. And if we want to grow the Democratic organization and grow the community of Democrats, then we need to let the voters decide. So what do voters in D51 care about? What will make them decide? What's the issue that has mobilized them to be civically engaged over and over again? People are very concerned about the school districts. There was so much stuff going on at school board meetings. Who can and can't do what in school buildings? It took me 10 years after high school to realize just how wrong some of the things I experienced were. D51 is home of School District 211. With nearly 12,000 students, it's the largest high school district in the state. Since 2013, the year Nabila started high school, it's made national headlines several times as an example of battles playing out at school boards across the country. I call this meeting of Township High School District 211 Board of Education to order. May we have a roll call, please? Ms. Cavill? Here. Ms. We're going back a little Here. bit. It's November 14th, 2019. Inside the gym of William Fremd High School, the D211 school board faces a room full of tense parents and students. It's packed. Many of the parents wear red, holding signs with slogans like, Anatomy, not identity, protects all equality. Thank you for joining us this evening. The board has already heard from a large number of individuals, and we value your input. Over the past four years and throughout the last two months, we have heard from hundreds of people through email. The crowd is here to debate a controversial new policy, which would grant transgender students unrestricted access to locker rooms. This debate started in 2013, when an anonymous trans student filed a federal lawsuit against D211 when she was denied access to the girls' locker room. The ACLU got involved. In 2015, the Office of Civil Rights and the Department of Education found that the district was violating Title IX. It was the first time a school district was found to be violating Title IX over gender identity. The decision meant the district had to end discriminatory policies against trans students, and it made a lot of parents mad. Return to order. We have a suggested motion that the board return to open session. Can someone please move that? In 2017, another trans student named Nova Madej filed a similar discrimination lawsuit, alleging the district made her change in a separate, isolated room instead of the normal girls' locker room. And although she'd graduated, she spoke at that school board meeting in November 2019. The walk from the separate locker room to the gym class was humiliating and made me feel like my school did not recognize me as the girl I am. I just want to be treated like any other girl. D211 
voted to allow trans students access to communal locker rooms later that evening, in a 5-2 vote. But the controversy didn't end before giving a platform to a vocal group of parents opposed to ending the discriminatory practices. They call themselves D211 Parents for Privacy. Just because they passed this policy, it doesn't mean parents have to accept it. These are still your kids. They cannot force you to accept their decision. These parents did not represent the majority of D211 residents. And still, they received a disproportionate amount of attention. This was, in part, because of one vocal supporter in state government. Hello again, this is State Representative Tom Morrison. I'm down here in my office in Springfield. Tom Morrison. That's the same Tom Morrison who represented a good part of the current District 51 in the state legislature before the redistricting. He held the equivalent office for what Nabila is running for now. It's reasonable, it's rational, it's common sense to separate these restrooms and locker rooms, these most intimate of spaces, by an individual's anatomy rather than one's gender identity. And we can protect our students. For him, it wasn't just about a Facebook page or school board meetings or even just his district. I, I put my state rep hat on and, and I realized that I could play a role in actually filing a bill, which I have done. House Bill 4474. Filed in 2016, it would have required all school districts in the state to limit multi-stall bathrooms and locker rooms to one biological sex, prohibiting all trans students from using the facilities aligning with their gender. It died in committee, but not before gaining 27 co-sponsors over the course of a year. This all went down over three years ago. At the very latest, it might seem like ancient history, but not to Anusha Thurakura, Nabila's longtime friend and campaign manager. In early 2021, when they were thinking about local campaigns to support, one of the first that came to mind was whoever would be challenging Tom Morrison. Who is, in my opinion, like absolutely horrible, very harmful. The only time I ever see him doing anything is when he's being homophobic and transphobic at school board meetings. When Anusha and Nabila did their research, they found that they weren't in his district anymore. But there still wasn't a challenger to the Republican incumbent for their new district, who they found mobilizing enough. And spoiler alert, Nabila ended up running herself. It wasn't just the state house race that changed because of the controversies in D211 or because of Tom Morrison. That mobilized us to put forward candidates who would be on the school board and who would be open and welcoming to trans kids. And we were successful. That was Maria again. And she's talking about the school board races in the spring of 2021. They changed not just the context of the district, but Nabila and Anusha's trajectory in local politics. Okay, fast forward to summer 2020. A lot has happened since that school board meeting in November 2019. A pandemic, for one, but also a wave of growing awareness around social issues like Black Lives Matter. Protests were crazy all over the country, just all over springing up. So all over in these pockets, in these suburbs, it was just like that here. One thing that hadn't changed was how the D211 school district, and therefore Palatine and the current D51, served as a microcosm and battleground for issues that were shaking communities all over the country. The voice you just heard was Tim McGowan. He had been a community leader in Palatine for many years before 2020. 
But that summer was a turning point for him. And I think I wasn't no different than a lot of people who felt like they just need to get involved somehow, some way. You know, I had or randomly ordered a megaphone because I just felt like I needed it. I took it to this protest and I ended up leading it. it. That's just how it happened. Like, and it was crazy. And that attention attracted a lot of people who wanted to see changes in our community, but didn't necessarily know who to talk to about it. And me being out there like that gave people a lot of courage. At the same time, a teacher in D211 was attracting controversy after posting a series of racist messages on social media in response to Black Lives Matter protests in nearby Chicago. I got somebody sent me screenshots of a teacher who had just said a whole bunch of crazy stuff up and down Facebook. I couldn't find the original posts. I assume they've since been taken down or hidden. But based on articles that quoted them at the time, she used language and statistics that are largely considered to be racial dog whistles. She also wrote, quote, I find the term white privilege as racist as the N-word. So I'm like, oh, that's crazy. And then I find out that this is a teacher at Palatine High School. And I'm like, that's my backyard. That's rude. What is she doing there? You know, Tim McGowan started looking into the teacher. He found that those Facebook posts were not isolated incidents. And then all these people started emailing me and reaching out to me about this experience they had with this teacher, like kids. Like I'm talking like already out of high school and they're crying on my phone. So Tim McGowan posted on social media, detailing all of the anecdotes he had heard from her former students and pointing out a pattern of racist behavior. The school board voted to fire her shortly after. In response, the teacher filed two lawsuits, one against the district and one against Tim himself. The story blew up. Fox News calls me Monday, NBC calls me Wednesday, and WGN, I was on Friday. Here's a clip of the teacher on The Laura Ingram Show. Um, I might have more conservative views, but there's nothing racist about what I had to say. And of course, I'm being accused of being a racist, which I have no history of whatsoever. So that transition, all this stuff with the teacher, it led me to get more intimate with the district. It was the same school district that Tim McGowan went through as a teenager. He said he remembers getting a good education there. But the lack of diversity and inclusion work within the district still sticks with him. And for some, he said, created a traumatic experience. When I drove past the high school, I cringed. I, I didn't particularly care in my high school experience. I got my education and I got out of there, you know. But at the same time, I've seen firsthand how the lack of inclusion, the lack of representation, how this affects minority students inside those halls and not just black students, minority students. At this point in the late summer of 2020, the school board elections were coming up in less than a year. You know, George Floyd's murder was one of those moments where I feel like locally here, lots of people wanted to just seek out change. And Abila, who you just heard, was about to start her senior year at UC Berkeley. She was living at home because of the pandemic. And she, alongside a group of friends from high school, wanted to see change in Palatine too. And Tim was very, very inspiring to me because, you know, he was leading protests in the area, advocating for this issue. It was just so, so impactful to see the work that he was doing here locally. Tim McGowan said they came to him with research about improving equity in D211. My dream team, I called him. He remembers a presentation Nabila did for the board. It was about students of color being disproportionately suspended or disciplined at school. He says everyone was blown away. And in connecting with these young kids, I just got to see how incredibly smart they were, how motivated they were, how organized they were. It was just, it was just a wake-up call for me. 
Eventually, one of the young people pitched the idea that Tim McGowan should run for school board himself. I don't even know if it was Tim himself. I don't No, I actually think it was us. <laughs> and I'm like, that's stupid. I'm not ready for your pol- politicians are trash. I'm like, get out of my face, you know, just like that. It eventually translated to me deciding to run for school board and to be living in my campaign manager. Nabila, Anusha, and their peers helped run the campaigns of a slate of three school board candidates. There was Anna Klimkowitz, an incumbent, and then there was Tim McGowan and Curtis Bradley, two newcomers. They were also both black men. And people had thought, you know, ooh, like, that's two black men running in a district that's less than 5% black. You know, maybe we should, like, not put your pictures on the lid. That's Anusha. She's talking about the promotional material they would give out to voters to raise awareness about the campaign. Um, people would say like things that are well-intentioned, but just like reinforcing of like racism, like telling Tim that he should put like a picture of him and his kid like on the pictures to like show that like you know he has a family and just things like that. Tim McGowan didn't get the endorsement from the Daily Herald, the major local paper in Palatine and nearby suburbs. Anusha said this was because of his involvement with the Black Lives Matter movement and the incident with the teacher. People were casting off Tim as being too progressive, too bold, too loud. And for local races, it doesn't say like Democrat or Republican. So a lot of people just look at the newspaper and like go with what they recommend. The race was in early April. Tim McGowan said he waited to file his campaign paperwork until the very last day in January. Just I wasn't I didn't want to do it. I'm not I did I'm like, yeah, I'm not like I know how ugly the suburbs are. I went to school here. I'm trying to check the history. I don't think I I I couldn't find another black guy that had ever sat on the board. I'm like, yo, this is you go from like wanting to help to potentially being not only the first black guy, but the youngest. It's like, oh, I don't want to be that guy, you know? <laughs> Despite community doubts and online harassment, Tim McGowan, Curtis, and Anna all won seats on the D211 school board. Oh my God. We were refreshing like the elections pages over and over and over. And it was like every day we actually kept checking to see if more ballots came in and if that increased or decreased our margin. In the end, Tim McGowan won the third place seat with 8,220 votes. It was only 453 more than his closest challenger. Winning this race, especially in an off-year spring election, felt like achieving the impossible. And that was one of the best feelings, you know, to feel like we got someone elected who truly, truly believes in the community and cares about students, cares about young people. These stories about D211 and Palatine don't necessarily tell you everything about D51, but they do set the stage for Nabila's campaign. They tell you the story of the suburb she grew up in and the local politics that shaped it throughout her teenage years. It's why she came back here at 22 years old, not just to live here, but to fight for its community. Home is where my family is, and this is the only home I've ever known. Even the work on the school board races, things like that, that made me also care even more about this place. Because at the end of the day, this was happening to my home. And that is concerning to me, and that is what kind of, um, in addition to many other things, pushed me to want to run. Next time on Ground Game. 
that speech was coming from my brain. It was coming from my brain and from my heart. We knew, we knew right from her high school she's gonna do something big. I have never felt more at home in this district in because there is an outpouring love and support from community members who are excited to see someone young step up and run. This episode was sponsored by the Office of Undergraduate Research and the Summer Undergraduate Research Grant at Northwestern University. Special thanks to the alumna of Northwestern University Centennial Endowment and Professor Jonathan Marshall. The music in this episode is from Blue Dot Sessions, with additional information in the show notes. You can stream Ground Game on Spotify, SoundCloud, or Apple Podcasts. Thanks for listening.